Welcome to The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, James and Alex Fitzgerald. Our pleasure to be here today. Hey, uh, Kaz, i got a good one for you this morning because um, impulse spending. Now, you are a bit of an impulse spender. and oh, what got on. me What got me thinking of this is the tragic <laughs> news that our, our uh, one of our favourite companies through the pandemic, Milk Run, uh, had to close its doors and, and, and that was a bit of an impulse uh, impulser for you. You'd just be able to get stuff real quickly and easily and conveniently. Tell me, though... The stuff I needed, but okay, no worries. Mid-2023, what's been a recent impulse spend for you? Uh, Obviously, we've got the infamous scooter uh, that we talked about through 2020, 2021. I inherited that scooter, but I did break it. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out those electric scooters, they do not bunny hop uh, gutters. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What has been a most recent... Well, look, it wasn't actually me. It was Dean, the husband. Um, but last weekend he decided uh, we need bikes uh, and we, we do not know how to have bikes. So he said, come on, we're going to, um, I don't know, whatever the bike shop's called in South Melbourne. And I'm like, why? He's like, I've bought us two bikes. They're waiting for us to pick up. We're going to ride them home. <laughs> I was like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> so... The, the recent household impulse buy has been bikes, little push bikes. Um, look, probably not my first choice. They're a little bit high. would have taken a bit of more of a cruiser, more of a Gold Coast kind of bike. But, look, it's really fun and, um, you know, we had a long weekend again coming out this weekend. So, look, they'll probably get a little bit of a workout. So impulse spend that sort of, you know, categorizes health and wellness and also a little bit of fun. I like it. I like <laughs> so, it. But, hey, you That's brought a good this impulse. up. You brought this up, so you must have. There must have been a bit of an e- impulse from you of late, which is highly out of character, might I add. I was going to say I'm I'm not an impulse spender, but um, no. I did I did actually I um so I, I love as you know love to just go for a little jog. That's a bit of a hobby, and um, uh, I've got a certain type of runner that I little Mizuno numbers that I've been running the same <laughs> type that I just get. Um, every single time. So every six months I go through runners. Anyway, I just recently bought a pair. And then obviously once you buy something, you know that the companies get you on their mail list? They've oh, yeah. hit me. Mizuno's hit me on a Sunday morning with, you know, uh, slashed all prices, you know, discount, oh. et cetera. And my shoes were on there, the shoes that I always get the same pair of. And they were like 25% off. And I was Ooh. like, oh, I don't need any. Like I only got some about a month ago, but I was like 25% off something. there. They're hard to come by and I do go through them a bit. So I just bang, clicked, send, you know, and and these days with um, your phones, like all your stuff's preloaded. So it's like two I clicks know. and you've, you've bought it. Um, and next thing, you know, 30 seconds later, I've got a pair of shoes on the way. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that, was so un, that was uncharacteristic. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, just really quickly because it's funny, but the, the best and most entertaining impulse buyer is Kelly who works with us. And I'll never forget one, one day we're in the office and, um, and she goes, oh, you know, you know, she's in the kitchen making her lunch and she's, you know, got tuna and rice. She's like, oh, you know, it's, it's a bit tight this month, you know. I'm like, oh, really, you know. And I'd bought her a coffee that morning because, you know, like I <laughs> felt a bit bad, a <laughs> bit bad, yeah. Anyway, next minute the doorbell rings and there's a delivery guy there. <laughs> and he's got this massive box. And I'm like, oh, I haven't bought anything lately. Hey, bud. He goes, oh, this is for Kelly Bowen. I'm like, oh, maybe it's a work thing that, you know, marketing has sent up anyway. <laughs> I'm like, I bring it into the office and I'm like, 
Kel, what what is this? Like, you know, have we got an event or something coming up? She goes, oh, no, I bought a new ski. It's a water ski. <laughs> it's like a thousand But thanks for the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, hang on, a, hang on a damn second. You psychologically got me this morning. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, dear. All right, so I want to know. <laughs> well, I already know, but <laughs> I got the giggles. Sorry, cuz. Can can the average sorry, let, let me back up. Let me back up. Interest rates are high, property rates yeah. have gone up, yields are sort of, you know, more in the negative gearing uh, realm. So the, the question really is, can a person with an average wage buy multiple properties? Or, you know, let's let's even back it up and say, can they buy a property? Um, and let's talk about an investment property for, for this. Uh, specific example because I think in some misconceptions, the person on the average wage cannot Um, and you and I would probably disagree with that, wouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, having said that though, I I still remember in 2010, I had just started uh, working here and, and, and started to, I guess, get exposed to property investing. It wasn't something that I'd grown up with um, necessarily. Yep. Um, Mum and dad never had investment properties or anything like that. So I, I did think that property investing was for people who earned high incomes, a lot of, lot mm. of money. That, that was my, my conce- mis- misconception. Mind you, but, sure. but that was my sort of take on things at the time. And I remember meeting this gentleman, and and I won't say his name because um, he does <laughs> listen to the podcast from time to time. But he knows he knows who he is because we, we've talked about this quite a bit. Um, but I, I met this gentleman, and um, I was working for your dad. And my, my job at the time was to do a bit of research um, mm. before he met with clients to to basically just get all the numbers and 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 their position and all that. And I was blown away. This guy, um, he was single parent, um, earning you know an, an average average wage at, at the time, sort of near enough to what the average Australian. Earned back in 2010, maybe 70000 dollars thereabouts. And yeah, he had five investment properties um, and, and was worth more than more than a million dollars net, no debt on his own home. And I was blown away. I, I, mm. he, he worked, you know, for the for the government. I thought, you know, it's, it's a just a, a normal job, um, normal wage. Um, yet, you know. Very, very well. I get you, you would say wealthy, right? Um, yeah, on yeah, a, on an would, average I mean, wage, he had no debt on his own home. I mean, like that—that's wealth. You know, everyone has a different definition, but yeah, I would consider that wealthy. Yeah, I would. Yeah, and so I guess I, I became a little bit obsessed—not uh, obsessed, but you know—I I just had to figure out how how he did it. So I asked to sit in on the meeting and and um, and and have since you know got to know him quite well and. And and to be honest with you, it, there's no magic bullet or anything like that. He just took him 20 years to get to that point, um, yeah. but he'd started, you know, in his in his late 30s, and uh, you know, over the course of 20 years, had had been able to slowly build, you know, even even with a, an average wage, with kids, you know, all, all those sorts of things. So the answer absolutely is you can do it on an average wage, um, mm. but I think most Australians don't realise, and and that doesn't mean that it's easy, does it? No, no, absolutely not. And look, I mean, I'd say it, your example as well. Like we're probably, you know, if you're on if you're on an average wage, I mean, you you live a, you know, you don't live an extravagant life per se, or you know, you live a very modest spending life. 
um, yeah. in some capacity. Although I, I do recall that that gentleman going, because I know I do know who you're talking about going on, you know, the odd holiday here and there. So you know, relatively sensible and and, yeah. and somewhat wise, if you like, with with their money. And I, like you're talking about, what 10, 10 11, 12 years ago, um, fantastic. And I, I would even be able to tell you five clients of ours oh, yeah. today in the last three years that have bought. Um, I on can the tell many, many more. I mean, how many teachers total. and policemen and, and, yeah, and yeah. you know, nurses and, and nurses. all that? Yeah, do, yeah, you know, yeah. Nurses, very common, mind you. Amazing, yeah. amazing. And look, don't get me wrong, though, like some nurses and policemen earn like sensational yeah. money, like, you know, yeah. um, in, in the six figures. So, you know, it's, it's not all applicable, but... I mean, it, it's absolutely possible. And I, I think we've spoken to, to Bernie, who's one of our um, brokers. In fact, he leads our finance department. Um, and he the sort of said, dog. yeah, big dog, big dog. That's what we call him, BD. Um, you know, he's, he's sort of said, I mean, he always caveats everything he says because he's very conservative. But even yeah, a conservative broker. wouldn't be a broker, finance guy if he didn't have a caveat on it. <laughs> true. Oh, that's so true. But, but he sort of said, yeah. I can get someone alone who's um, earning $60,000 a year um, to buy a, an investment property. Um, now, he, he caveats some things by noting, you know, they, they have to be on a specific sort of living arrangement, you know, maybe paying no rent or, or living with family or, you know, anything like that. They don't well, no, have he said credit he could cards. Do it, he could do it with less if they didn't have rent and were living with family. Uh, okay. Well, look, I mean, it's, it still helps, right? Mm. Um, it also depends how much you are paying in rent. Obviously, the, the least you're paying on, on a sort of average income, the better. Um, mm. but, but the other thing to, to factor is, you know, if you're going to buy an investment property, you will eventually be getting rent for that. Um, and, and most banks will actually factor in that rent that you will be getting um, towards the, the income. So, it will also add to the um, serviceability of that debt that you're taking on. Oh, so it's certainly possible, certainly. And a um, bit of context, so $60,000, maybe less, um, is about the starting mark. What do you think the average wage is in Australia today, if you had to have a guess? Oh, I always get, like, confused between the average and, and the median because most most media outlets quote the average, don't they? Yes. The average wage. Um, oh, I'm a bit rusty on this one of late. Well, but- the Australian Bureau of Statistics only give the average. The median you have to get... Privately, so I've just gone. Oh, okay, I was a bit lazy. I just went to the ABS because it's easy to get. So the uh, average. Yeah. Okay. Um, this could be embarrassing if I stuff it up, but I reckon it's between seventy-seven thousand and eighty-three thousand. Man, it's it's actually it used to be. It's it's now so ninety-two thousand. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> Do I have to shut him? And I guess I will. <laughs> I will. Back. I will do a big dog, and I will caveat that by saying it is always slightly higher in Sydney uh, and Melbourne than, than other parts of Australia. But yeah, the median, uh, the Jeez. average, sorry, wage is ninety two thousand dollars around Australia today. And, and sorry, I just want to ask one more question: mm. Is that the average full time wage, or full-time. that's the that average is, of sorry, what? That is full time, okay. full time wage. Yeah. So, so it's not like everyone's income in, who's working no. in Australia over a 12-month no. period. Yeah. No, okay. so you're right. Okay. If, if it was the part-times okay. and all that, it's probably closer than the, the number that you gave. But, um, okay. but yes, the average wage is 92000 So to do it on $60,000, um, you know, that that's the starting point. You you certainly can do it um, if you are on an average wage, to go back to the, the original question. That's right. All you need is um, some pretty some pretty decent savings and that'll get you started. Come talk to us. 
Okay, so a very, very popular question is how to pay off our owner-occupied debt quicker. Everyone wants to do it because it is after-tax dollars. It doesn't have an income coming uh, in to subsidise it like investment property debt does. Um, but it's not easy to do, is it? Um, but I, I thought I'd uh, – you, you were talking to me during the week about a client of yours and I thought this is a really interesting case study to yeah. throw in on the pod. So maybe I'll give you the floor. Give us a bit of context and background in terms of the client, their situation and what they were trying to achieve and how they approached it because it is a little bit out of the box. It, it's very out of the box and um, this client is sensational. Um, mid-something 40-year-old single guy. He's got three investment properties and he owns his own home. Um, he's, he's on a great income and he's, he's a smart cookie. Um, and he said to me, look, Alex, I, I want to minimise the debt on my own home, but I don't want to use up my cash that's sitting in my offset because, you know, being a conservative guy um, and working in a – he's a contractor – He's yeah. in his head, he's always thinking, I could be laid off tomorrow yeah. and I'm going to need to to access my cash and I don't know how long I'll need the cash for. And I, I respect that. So he said, Absolutely. look, yeah, he said, look, I've got sensational equity in my two of my investment properties, re- really good, a little bit in the third, but probably not worth refinancing. He said, is there a way I can um, basically refinance those to, to pay down um, some debt on my owner occupier. And I thought it was a pretty sensational question because it sort of looked at something a little bit different to, to how I had looked at it before. Uh, and from a lot of research, looking at different banks, um, getting valuations on, on his four properties, the answer is effectively yes, we, we can do it. Um, and it, it is a little bit of a fluff around and in some ways, the best way for me to describe what we're doing here, which may or may not sound kosher, but it is, is you're eff- effectively restructuring your debt. So you're adding debt to your investment properties, which are giving you, or you're increasing the debt on your investment properties, which are giving you a return um, and they're servicing themselves. And then you're minimizing the debt on your owner occupier property in the process, um, which you're servicing solely, you know, by yourself. Um, and, and through this process of uh, restructuring, refinancing, we're going to firstly minimize his uh, interest rates because he's at a few different banks now. Um, we're going to move them over and, and get a, a really solid deal. So he will, it's a cost saving exercise as well for him. Um, and then he will also pretty much cut in half um, his repayments per month on his owner-occupier. Now, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you can't, um, like it goes on the source, right? Like it's not as, it's not, it almost sounds too good to be true. There's got to be a bit of a catch it, here. Um, so the, the I guess the one catch is that he has to, he which he wants to, his, his end goal, right, is to, one, have no debt on his owner-occupier and, two, buy another investment property. Mm. So what we're doing today is we're actually restructuring his portfolio today with the equity he's got, um, taking out the equity, parking it aside in his offset account Mm. until he's ready to buy another property. So right now today he qualifies to uh, increase uh, his debt 
for equity purposes, let's say buy $100,000, but mm. he doesn't qualify to buy another property, which, yeah. you know, is, is another four to $500,000 of debt. So we're essentially restructuring to get the equity out now so that whenever he's ready to buy, two years, three years, one year, whatever, he mm. has got the equity there, but he obviously needs to be able to service that that fifth property. Does that make sense? Yeah, so put another way, um, if I understand it right, let's say you three, or four, three or four or yep. five years ago when he started out, he had a you know his own home and a, a little, little bit of debt and yep. then he probably borrowed against his home for the deposit to go and buy first investment property and then maybe again for number two and number three. So what he's ended up with is some extra debt on his own home that he's used to buy investment properties. Now, the, the issue is that, that we've talked about Previously, the biggest impediment on your borrowing capacity is debt against your own home. Mm. Because even if you've used it to go and buy investment properties, the bank just don't see it that way. They see that it sits against your own home and there's no rent income um, and it's after-tax dollars the way that they see things. So he's shifting that debt across to the investment properties or back into the investment properties. Uh, and it means his debt on his own home is a lot lower. The bank love him um, and it probably gives him a, a really good interest rate on his on his his owner-occupied debt. Exactly. Um, which means that he's paying less interest um, on, on the amount that isn't tax deductible. So it's a restructuring, not, not necessarily meaning that you can use um, equity in your investment properties to repay your owner-occupier debt. Exactly. Rather just shifting it off the owner-occupier uh, and ultimately setting yourself up where, yeah, if he reduces the repayments, I imagine he, he could shave a few years off his mortgage just by having a lower interest rate um, and not having those debts sit inside his owner-occupied property. Yeah, exactly. And, and look, in even more simplistic terms, he'll effectively dump yeah, about a hundred grand of, of equity into his offset account against his owner occupier. So um, it's not, you know, a true pay down of debt per se, um, but it will significantly um, minimise his repayments on his own home. And then, you know, as well, he can sort of chip away. He's he's very diligent. Every time he gets his tax, you know, in a, a big chunk at the end of the year, he puts it straight into his offset account against his own home. So he's, yeah, he's extremely wow. diligent, and um, you know that offset is, is offset account is always increasing, um, and therefore he's minimising his repayments. So look, a, a really interesting way to do well, things. It, it took me a while to get my head around it, but. You know that that particular broker is, um, I guess, uh, you know, very very strategic, if you will, in in how we go about it. It's the biggest challenge most property investors have, isn't it? You know, get you get your three investment properties, and then you want to go number four, and the bank won't give you the money. So you've got to be creative and flexible, and mm. and 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 able to sort of move things around. It's a lot of effort, obviously. Um, so mm. the easier thing would be to just be lazy and keep it where it is. Um, but yeah, that that's that's the difference, isn't it? Between yeah, you know yeah. having three and having five or six or or, or yeah. something like that, being proactive about problem solving. And and what I love about this guy is that he knew that he had no idea how to do it, but he asked the question, "Can it be done?" Um, mm. And you know, the the initial answer is, "Oh, yeah, not about that." <laughs> but you know, when you find the right broker and 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 the right bank for that matter. Um, then, you know, like a lot of creative things can can be done. And look, it's going to take time. There's no doubt about that. It's going to take time and bloody paperwork, but if anyone's going to do it, it's this man. Amen. Okay, Kazzy, a little scenario I want to run by you, okay? Yep. Say I've got a pre-approval for, let's call it $2 million. Ooh, big spender. To buy, 
I know. Hey, hey, impulse buyer. Uh, to buy my <laughs> own home, right? Yeah. I've got the pre-approval. The bank says they'll lend me the money. But the question is, can I actually afford it when push comes to shove, buying the property and I'm making repayments? I know. Is that a crazy question? No, I think a lot of people ask themselves that question. A lot of people are surprised at how much the bank will lend them, aren't they? Yeah. Like, you know, particularly um, particularly if... if, if um, <laughs> to this date, I've been surprised. Yeah, me too. Can't believe I've got what I've got. No, only kidding. Um, look, I think, you know, there's a couple of ways to approach it. So I think generally you should be able to because the bank will bake in 25 to 3% buffer in determining whether or not they will lend you the money. So they're generally looking at your situation and, 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 and they're, you know, these days they're trawling through your expenses and, and everything and working out how That's much right. money comes in, how much money goes out uh, and looking at, you know, ultimately what you can afford to pay back to the bank on a month-to-month basis. So typically I would say yes, um, but I think it's great practice to, you know, do your own numbers, work out your own budget um, and look at, you know, if you, if you do borrow that $2 million, let's say, um, if you're borrowing it to buy your own home, um, obviously you got to say, well, you know, I'd be saving on rent, but this would be my repayment. How would that look in my budget? If you're mm. borrowing to buy an investment property, you got to look at the, the properties themselves and say, well, what's the rent coming in? What's all my expenses? What's the interest? What does that end up costing me? Um, what might I get back in the way of tax benefits? And, and, and I guess, you know, run your own numbers and, and be comfortable with those numbers mm. before you go and make the commitment because once you buy it, you're stuck with it. So um, mm. property's not easy to get in and out of. Um, so I think, yeah, normally you should be able to afford it, but I think it's a great practice to do your own numbers. What do you oh, reckon? Oh, absolutely. No, look, I, I mean... <sighs> It, it, it must be confronting because, uh, look, I've never I've never bought anything for $2 million, so I, I couldn't tell you firsthand. But it must be a confronting thing to, to actually go ahead with that. I mean, ultimately, the banks really do. They trawl through your numbers today. So, I mean, they'll, they'll determine where you spend your money. It's not just, a, all right, well, he, you know, here's their incomes, here's mm. their current rent, and, and, you know, we'll calculate a 30% uh, threshold uh, to go towards their mortgage every mm. month. Mm. It is obviously not that simple. Um, they want to actually see where you spend your money. But look, I think just budgeting at all, you know, whether we're talking about an impulse purchase or, you know, I mean, if it's impulse, you haven't really budgeted, but have you? But, um, you know, like it, it, you should be budgeting in any scenario or, or looking at the numbers and understanding them because that will give you so much context yeah. um, to what you're actually up for. Um, and then, you know, comparing it to, to your pay packet uh, every month and, and understanding where that money is going to come from. And that's where your mortgage broker is really invaluable too because they've had to work out all these numbers when they're talking <laughs> to the bank. So typically, you know, your mortgage broker will, will be able to give you a lot of these numbers and, and be a bit of a sounding board for you through that process. If if they're one that, you know, you, you can trust and, and, and one that you, you know, know pretty well, they'll... They'll take you on mm. that journey and, and make sure that you are comfortable with the numbers and and, and um, that you can borrow the money. I'd simply be asking, because what are my repayments monthly? Uh, how long do I have to pay that for? Uh, and how can I pay my own home off sooner? Very good. Hey, uh, what, what do you got planned for the weekend? Anything special? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Nice. Nothing, nothing. And that's pretty special nowadays. Doing nothing, very special. Yeah, nice. 
massive, massive weekend. Got a got a got an hour long car trip with a six week old. So just yeah, building up wow. to to the car ride and then the return. That's about that's about where my life's at at the moment. Finger finger cuz. Uh, no, going to the in-laws actually down the coast. Um, oh, yeah, so hour and a half there, hour and a half back. It's a real strategy that goes into planning the before <laughs> sweet, and sweet after. <laughs> well, listen, I'll be doing absolutely nothing and you'll be dealing with um, the, the strategy of a, a sleeping and, and screaming baby. And to that, Hopefully the I, former. Bid, I bid you good luck, my friend. Uh, thanks. I need it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is thedoubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is thedoubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.